Next on BYU Sports Nation, St. Zaga versus non-St. Zaga. Which games matter more for BYU basketball in their elusive WCC title pursuit? The former Boston Celtic Jeff Judkins is in studio to discuss how to manage a young team and how to beat the Dons tonight. Plus, how much do you actually know about San Francisco? Other than legend Bill Russell play there. You did know that, right? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by... The BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Hey, we're live. BYU Sports Nation, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, January 4th, wherever and however you're dialed in, it's great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with War Memorial Gymnasium seat designer. Jerem Jordan. We're going to put a couple hundred seats in there, and uh, hopefully we'll get a few dozen. Okay. And uh, we'll call it good. And then we'll let the BYU fans come in. <laughs> and, and, li- and like Mormons have done for hundreds of years, they will occupy an area and use its resources and occasionally annoy the locals. <laughs> there is so much there. <laughs> there is so much context to what you and just said. And then move said. to the next spot. <laughs> And then in the end, just flee into the mountains and settle your own place. Now, for those of you wondering why I introduced Jerem as a War Memorial Gymnasium seat designer, you should listen to our conversation with Greg Rebell yesterday. Just download the podcast and listen to it. And hope Well, listen to the post game tonight. That's what you want to listen to. That too, because it will happen. It will be distracting. The distraction what, something will happens happen. in the after after the game there with the seats that's gonna gonna be unique. And they can't wait for the postgame to finish before they start said distracting process. Apparently not. (laughs) Which takes us to today's headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. On the road again, BYU men's basketball will face the Dons of San Francisco tonight. The Cougars working toward win number two in WCC play very early. Trying to bounce back after last Saturday's overtime loss to St. Mary's. Of note, BYU 6-0 all-time at USF. Head coach Dave Rose, not comforted by that stat, especially when you consider what USF brings to the court tonight. They've got multiple guys who can, who can play. They play 11, 12 guys. Their bench is one of the strongest benches in the league. And uh, so you're going to see new, fresh guys all the time basically doing the same thing. Uh, It's just a matter of being able to get them stopped. They shoot a ton of threes. BYU, that has been their Achilles heel, is giving up three-point makes to teams that shoot a ton. So we'll see how the Cougars defend that tonight. You can listen to the game live on BYU Radio, 11 p.m. Eastern, with Greg Rebell and Terry Nashup. Watch it on AT&T Sports Network, Rocky Mountain, NBC Sports California, and for the out-of-market viewers, it's available on the W.TV app, 11 Eastern, 9 Mountain Time. BYU women's basketball plays San Francisco as well tonight at home, live on BYU TV at 9 Eastern Time. Jeff Judkins will join us in studio to preview the matchup, and Spencer Linton uh, will be on the call. Indeed I will, with Kristen Kozlowski. Hey! But you can watch both. You can watch both games tonight because they offset a little bit. That's the beauty yeah. of... In fact, you can watch the whole women's game and then the whole men's. Technology. Yeah. Thank or, you, or technology. Listen. Jimmer Fredette scored a mere 31. 
for the Shanghai Sharks in a 119-92 victory over the Sichuan Blue Whales. The Blue Whales. <laughs> the Sharks. That's awesome. Now back to 500 on the season, Jerem. 12-12. and 12. Are the Blue Whales endangered? Question mark? I don't know. Make, just make the playoffs in the CBA, right? Yeah. I, I'm hoping for, like, uh, the sloths or something. That would be a fun mascot. <laughs> After back-to-back NCAA runner-up season's third-ranked BYU men's volleyball opens the season tomorrow, hosting 13th-ranked Loyola Chicago, who won a couple of national titles a few years ago, in the Smith Fieldhouse live on BYU TV at 9 Eastern time. It'll be great to be back in the Fieldhouse. Cougars return All-Americans Brendan Sander, Leo Durkin, and Price Jarman. Sean Olmstead, the head coach, will join us tomorrow uh, to discuss that and the new TerraFlex court. What's that all about? We'll discuss tomorrow. You're busting out a lot of really, really uh, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what TerraFlex is. Vocabulary right there. <laughs> also, I can't wait to hear the first wow from Steve Vale. Oh, Steve Vale, the Bill Walton of BYU TV. Or the first random <laughs> 80s movie reference from Steve Vale. That I don't get and I just sit <laughs> quietly through. It's the beauty of it. BYU Men's Volleyball back on BYU TV tomorrow. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. St. Zaga versus the field. We have taken some liberties on this show. We always do. In defining different aspects of West Coast Conference men's basketball, specifically by two distinct terms. There is St. Zaga, a combination of the two Perennial power, St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Thank you, Jerem Jordan, for that. And secondly, non-St. Zaga, which contains every other team in the conference that BYU will face. Notably, LMU, Pacific, Pepperdine, Portland, San Diego, San Francisco, and Santa Clara. Given the way things have played out for BYU in now six-plus seasons as a member of the WCC, we would like you to answer today's Twitter question. What is more important to the outcome of BYU's season? St. Zaga... Or non-St. Zaga games. Why? Use the hashtag BYUSN. At JGibbs19. Non-St. Zaga games. If we can get through conference play with a maximum of two non-St. Zaga losses, we may find ourselves on the bubble. Answer today's Twitter question. Hashtag BYUSN. Jerem, where do you stand on this issue? Because you and I went back and forth on this yesterday no, and this morning. we did not. We never do that, right? <laughs> Where do you stand right now? Okay, this is a, I don't know if there's a right answer, but the more I've thought about it, the more I've thought, okay, I think that non-St. Zaga affects BYU's season more. Let me tell you why. BYU isn't competing for conference titles because of those. Okay. Do you know what a, do you know what a conference championship gets you? Like, if BYU wins the regular season in the WCC, they are really likely to make the tourney. Obviously, winning the Gonzaga Invitational, a.k.a. the West Coast Conference Tournament, that is an auto bid. It'd be great. That is an auto bid. But if BYU won the regular season title, I think that they would get into the NCAA Tournament as an at-large at a minimum. So those losses are keeping BYU's out. Uh, BYU uh, out of at-large ability a couple times here. Okay. Which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is averaging 2.8 losses, about three, per year as a member of the West Coast Conference to non-St. Zaga teams. Not good. What? Three? Okay, compare that to St. Mary's. Okay. Okay, BYU is 2.8. St. Mary's is 1.3. Less than half. Gonzaga is 
Seven. <laughs> and that's why they're the Kings, man. Saint Zaga combines for fewer non-Saint Zaga losses than BYU by itself, okay? So winning is good, and it can offset some bad, but not 2.8 losses to teams that are, most of the time, let's be honest, the bottom seven have stunk. San Diego is doing a good thing for this league by being 108 in Ken Palm right now, by beating Colorado on the road, by being a, a, a more quality team. Okay, San Francisco, nice win against Nevada. The top five are doing good things. The bottom five stink. Santa Clara's four and ten. Yeah, they're all under five hundred after non-conference. They stink. They're two hundred plus in you know RPI and Ken Palm and the metrics that matter. Losing to those teams does a lot of bad. So I think that uh, BYU needs to avoid those losses. But the more important thing to me almost is the fact that we discovered. That BYU has not beaten St. Zaga in the West Coast Conference Tournament. Oh, and five all time. That will get you to the NIT. That is a swift ticket. BYU's been to, to the, the NIT. NIT three times since joining the West Coast Conference. Yeah. I, I still think BYU can uh, get to the NCAA Tournament with a St. Zaga loss, sometimes two. What happened a few years ago to get BYU in late? They got a top five RPI road win in the last week. Those aren't always sitting there. That's not going to be there this year. No, those aren't always sitting there. That was a miracle. But because the opportunity is there with the powers that be of St. Zaga, that's why that can do more good. Like, I'm with you. Like, losing to an RPI 200-plus team is really, really detrimental to a team and their NCAA tournament hopes. But BYU beating St. Mary's or Gonzaga or St. Zaga can do more good than an average of 2.8 losses to non-St. Zaga can do bad. How many? So you're playing four in the regular season. Do you need to split 2-2 to offset 2.8 losses? Let's say three losses. Typically, two wins against St. Zaga will get BYU into the NCAA tournament. That is not... Even if they lose the semi in, in Vegas? Let's talk about it, shall we? In 2011, 2012, BYU lost in the semifinals of the West Coast Conference Tournament and still got into the NCAA Tournament. Why? Because they had a late win against Gonzaga. And their, their non-conference resume was solid. In February. Like, that all matters. That matters, too. They played good teams in non-conference in 2011-12. Didn't win many of those games, but they played good teams. But they got a key win against Gonzaga in February. Yeah. That was year one. Also, that was coming off Jimmer Fredette. Let's not you know, overlook the fact that BYU had some credibility at that point sure. in the national perception. 2012-2013, sure. 0-4 against St. Zaga. Guess what? BYU didn't get in. Not surprising. Not a coincidence. 2013-14, against St. Zaga. Got in. Mm. Also not surprising. St. Mary's was the four seed that year in the tournament. 2014-15, 2-2. Got into the NCAA tournament. 2015-16, the conference was down overall. But what was the record? 1-3, I believe. Okay. Mm. So, but, but furthering your point of you got to get at least two. Conference down overall. So, so let's see. Has BYU, has BYU made the tourney without getting two in the regular season? It looks like they need two. They need to split to get in the at tourney, least, essentially. At least two. Okay, so we've discovered something. So, so that, that's why, to yeah. me, it matters more. St. Saint Mary's and Gonzaga will do more good for BYU beating those teams because that overcomes bad losses. 
it and it proves it in the past. It has. They've they've lost some really bad games in the past. I would, some of these seasons they've made the NCAA tournament. This is a good point, and I would like to learn what the non St. Zaga amount of losses was with with each year. With each of those so, years. So, like, did BYU have a year where there was one or two, but not three? Right. I don't think B, has BYU had four in a year. Maybe once or twice. Last year. Listen, you need the, the real answer here is you need both. You need to get at least two against St. Zaga. You need to. Uh, minimize the amount of non-St. Zaga losses. I think with this season specifically, and we're talking about this because out goes BYU for its first road game in league at San Francisco tonight in a late one, 11 Eastern. BYU needs to minimize the amount of non-St. Zaga losses. We think that BYU will be better in this number. We've talked about this. Because BYU plays better defense now, and that travels. BYU shoots the ball well from the free throw line, and that travels. Even if you have a poor shooting night, you're not relying on Nick Emery to get 39 tonight or Matt Carlino, you're relying on BYU to hold San Francisco to sub-70. That's what you're relying on. BYU has gotten into the NCAA tournament one time as a member of the West Coast Conference when they only won one game against St. Zaga, and that was the first year they were in the league. They were relying on the merits of Jimmer and Jackson. They had a tough non-conference schedule. They beat Gonzaga in February to help things out but they were coming off of a Sweet 16 run. And that absolutely factors into the human element of deciding who deserves to be in the tournament. So BYU has to win two of the next three in the regular season, likely, to give itself a chance to get in the NCAA tournament based on what we've seen in the West Coast Conference. That's what we learned either Either that or they win one and maybe don't lose to anybody else. I don't think that's realistic. And neither do I. I really don't. Because San Diego and San Francisco are formidable opponents this year. Well, everybody's proved to be formidable. Against You're right. Against BYU in this conference because of BYU's lost to every hot single, shooting nights and three-pointers and all that stuff. BYU's lost, lost to every single team in the league, right? Yes. Pacific included? They hadn't lost to Santa Clara until last BYU year. BYU lost to Pacific a year or two ago. Yes. At home. At home. BYU's lost to every team in this league. That means it's possible, right? This team plays better defense, though. So I like BYU's chances this season against non-St. Zaga. I don't know that I believe BYU is going to win two of the next three against St. Zaga, though. You're going to have to win a home game against Gonzaga and steal a road game against Well, now, here's the good news. Both of those teams are flirting with the rankings or have been ranked this year. The, 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 powers, the power is there for the big two, Okay. So that helps BYU's case if they don't win two, but they, they have very, very slim margin of error for non-St. Zaga games. And that's not good. You needed to win Saturday. Our Twitter question today, you decide, BYU Sports Nation, what is more important to the outcome of BYU season, St. Zaga or non-St. Zaga games? Why? Let's go to the Twitter machine. At Mr. Flintstone 94, BYU's schedule isn't tough enough to make the tournament without a St. Zaga win or two, including the conference tournament. We need to do well against non-St. Zaga teams, but a few key St. Zaga wins can do more than make up for a couple of slip-ups against lesser teams, which was the point I was making. If, I, you, if I, you win a couple of those, it eliminates some of the hurt. I still think BYU needs to get to Tuesday in Vegas. Coming up, jamming with Juddy. We'll take a look at the WCC and tonight's BYU matchup with Steve Croner from the San Francisco Chronicle. Stay with us. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store 
the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Our conversation is rolling right now on Twitter. Follow us, won't you, at BYU Sports Nation, 20,000-plus strong and growing every day. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Ben Soups plays San Francisco tonight on the Hilltop at 11 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. Pre-game starts at 10 Eastern. If you want to watch the game, AT&T Sportsnet. NBC Sports California, and out of market for both of those, the W.TV. What is more important to the outcome of BYU's season? St. Zaga, self-explanatory, or non-St. Zaga games? Tell us why, at Grizzfather with this tweet. If the desired outcome is an NCAA berth, then in all honesty, I only see one of two options. Either go undefeated the rest of the season, and even that might not be enough, Oh, I think that would absolutely be Un- enough. <laughs> undefeated? Wait, what? You'd have three Crazy. wins against St. Zaga. Or win the WCC tourney. Both options have a mixture of both St. Zaga and non-St. Zaga games. Yeah, we're talking about at-large ability. Obviously, you win the tourney. The Gonzaga Invitational, you get in. If BYU wants an at-large berth, historically, they probably need two wins against St. Zaga in the regular season, if not combining with a win in the semifinals of the West Coast Conference Tournament. And that's probably assuming it's three-bid league because Gonzaga is in, and St. Mary's looks like they're probably going to get in in the end. So will BYU. What matters most to BYU, St. Zaga or non-St. Zaga games? More of your tweets on the way. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is a man who covers the West Coast Conference for the San Francisco Chronicle, Steve Croner. Steve, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Glad to be here. Hey, uh, so I'm hearing that you had a shaky start to your morning and BYU had a shaky start to their road trip as well with an earthquake in the Bay Area. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, about 2.40 in the morning. Uh, normally, if, if I'm getting up at that time, it's just to go to the bathroom. But uh, so last night, this morning, uh, there was a pretty good rumble. But uh, thankfully for those of us who uh, live in the Bay Area, it uh, did not do any uh, major damage at all. I think it ultimately became a 4.4 quake, and usually anything below 5 is, uh, is a shake, but not a, not a, a, a damaging event. So um, got awakened much earlier than I would have liked, but <laughs> it just got me prepared to be on BYU TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it just reminds us we are not in charge. That's what <laughs> uh, yeah, well put. Steve, after two conference games, uh, what have you learned, and what do, what do we think we know about the West Coast Conference so far? Um, I think it's pretty much what we knew uh, or what we thought going into the season. I think that St. Mary's, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, St. Mary's are probably the two uh, teams at the top, and BYU is at next level. And then maybe the, the, the next team, I think, is a little bit of a surprise. What San Diego has done, um, 2-0 in the conference, wins at uh, New Mexico State, win at Colorado, I think Right now, San Diego has become quite, you know, the, uh, the other team, the, the number one of the other seven that maybe uh, it wouldn't have been um, when we started in uh, November. Steve Croner of the San Francisco Chronicle with us on BYU Sports Nation. Who's the best team in the league right now, according to you, Steve? Wow. You put me on the spot. Can I, can I take St. Zaga the way you guys put it? <laughs> um, I think I'd take St. Zaga in a second. Um, well, it's really close. At the beginning of the season, I would have said St. Mary's, I think because of its experience. Um, you have three all-conference players in uh, uh, 
Miller and Hermanson and Jacques Landale. But uh, St. Mary's through November was really not playing defense very well. Randy Bennett was pretty upset with his team, even though it lost only two games. And at that point, I, I would have said Gonzaga. St. Mary's has kind of uh, righted the ship, has played much better, um, particularly defensively, since the beginning of December. So maybe right now, by a hair, I would go back to St. Mary's, but it's really close. Steve, give us some insight into the perception of BYU here in the seventh year of being in the league, because Jimmer Fredette ruined all the expectations from the fan base for BYU in the league <laughs> yeah. because he beat St. Mary's and Gonzaga that, that senior season, and then BYU comes in the league thinking, yeah, this is going to be easy, and BYU has not won the league. So what's been the perception of BYU's place in this conference? I think, you know, as, I, as far as I could tell, you know, BYU is considered one of the top three, but it's not. It's certainly not one. I think if you go um, since BYU became in the league, I think it's pretty clear that number one would be Gonzaga, number two would be St. Mary's, and number three would be BYU. Um, there's a and there's a big drop off to four um, since BYU has been in the league. Only one time has one team other than those three finished in the top three. USF got in there, I believe, in the 2014 season, and St. Mary's was fourth. So I think that you know the perception is that BYU is a really good team. It's one of the better teams in the conference, but it's probably not at the level of Gonzaga and uh, maybe even a, a tad below St. Mary's. When BYU came into the league, did you think that BYU would win a conference title in the first six years? Uh, yeah. To be honest, sure. I mean, BYU had the, uh, you know, certainly the biggest school in the conference. It had the, the pedigree of coming from the Mountain West. Um, it's, I'll tell you guys that, you know, the history of BYU basketball. Um, so, yeah, I would think that uh, in six years that BYU would have won a conference title. But, again, I think that, that just goes to show you how good Gonzaga and St. Mary's are. I mean, I think the perception maybe from, from the, the Utah angle was that, you know, those teams aren't as good as, um, they might appear to be once BYU gets in the conference, but I think BYU has found that uh, playing in Moraga or playing in Spokane uh, is no easy task. Hey, playing in Spokane is actually easy for BYU. Too. <laughs> oh, yeah, Three wins. That, yeah. <laughs> Particularly at the end of the season, right? Yeah, playing playing them in Vegas uh, has been an offer. Yeah. Well, that, they're not they're not alone in that regard. <laughs> if you can figure out how BYU has a better record in Spokane than they do at Firestone Fieldhouse in Malibu, then give us a call because we still <laughs> don't have the answer for that. Steve, listen, uh, no no one has ever accused me for having excessive intelligence, so I'm not going uh, <laughs> to bite on that one. How many teams do you see getting into the NCAA tournament out of the West Coast Conference this season? Well, being that there's still two months left uh, of the regular season, it's a little bit premature to start guessing that. But, you know, at the, at the moment, I would say two. Um, at the moment, if, if the NCAA tournament started today, and as they say, that would be quite a shock to most people, um, I think St. Mary's and Gonzaga would get in, and I think BYU would be an NIT team. A lot of those things can change, obviously, in the next uh, eight to nine weeks. But, you know, I, I certainly think St. Mary's and, and Gonzaga – have done enough. If you look at Gonzaga's RPI, it's not great right now. I believe it's 66. Yeah, that would be uh, that's a, you know that's certainly a borderline RPI. Um, but I think both of those teams have done enough right now that there's no guarantee that they'll continue to do that, and no guarantee that you know BYU can't get on a roll and you know win a couple games that maybe you wouldn't think it it might. But uh, you know I, I think two teams, but it's. It's not out of the question for it to be only a one-bid league or a three-bid league. I think both of those things are 
are still in play as well. Yeah, it really is fascinating. So just for fun, what would it take for the West Coast Conference to be a three-bid league? I think two of those three teams, uh, St. Mary's, Gonzaga, and BYU, have to have really good uh, runs through the conference schedule. And then maybe the, the team that doesn't do as well or somebody out of the bottom seven wins the conference tournament. Yeah. I think that's that way you get three. Other than that, I don't see three likely happening. Let's talk about the matchup tonight, BYU and San Francisco. The Dons are an interesting team because they just got a really nice win at the Orleans Arena where the conference tournament's played against Nevada. Probably the second best win of any team in the league in non-conference this year. Nevada's 14-3, and 34 Ken Palm uh, rating. So they're capable. Uh, what do you think of the Dons and what Kyle Smith has brought to the table this season? You know, Kyle, I, I think, has done a, a heck of a job in a year and a half. He's been on the hilltop. Um, they've had all kinds of uh, different lineups. Kyle's kind of been the, the mad tinkerer trying to find the lineup that fits. I believe Jordan Rotino, their sophomore swing man, is the only player who started all 15 games. Kyle has used, I don't know, somewhere around 10 or 12 uh, different lineups. Um, his his lone preseason All-WCC player was Charles Midland, uh, a sophomore who has not played at all this season in a redshirt because of a shoulder injury. So Kyle is mixed and matched, and I think USF is playing much better defense than uh, it would have you would have expected it to start at the beginning of the season, and it's not shooting quite as well as you would expect. I mean, last season, USF kind of lived and died on a three-point arc, the Dons aren't shooting nearly as well as they did last season, but they're playing much better defense, and they're, you know, they're doing as well as you could expect, I think, without Minlin. What is the toughest part of Kyle Smith's job as he tries to get quality opponents to come and play at War Memorial Gymnasium, and also he's recruiting against Pac-12 schools? <laughs> you just said it within the question, right? It's um, it's kind of the same problem Randy Bennett has getting teams to come to McEwen Pavilion. They're small arenas. Um, in fact, arena might be uh, using the term uh, a little loosely. Um, <laughs> but both of those teams are good enough to beat, you know, big-time teams. Uh, Ten years ago, Randy Bennett's team kind of got itself on the map by beating uh, an Ernie Kent Oregon team that I believe was 11th in the country, was Patty Mills' uh, freshman year. And that kind of put... A, it put uh, St. Mary's on the map, and B, it kind of alerted that other teams you don't want to go there. Now, now USF hasn't had quite the success, obviously, that St. Mary's has, but a few years ago, St. John's came in when, when Steve Lavin was the head coach. Steve is from the Bay Area, and his dad played at USF. I think that was kind of part of the deal. And St. John's came in, a Big East team that's got, obviously, a great pedigree, and a USF team that was good but not great just, just handed uh, the – uh, St. John's team, it's lunch that, that night, or it's dinner, I should say. And, uh, you know, so again, it's, it's tough to get teams, uh, big-time teams, to come to play at fairly small uh, facilities in the Bay Area. All right. Uh, we do want to ask you one last thing before we let you go, Steve, and that is, okay. what is the legacy of Steve Young with the 49ers and his popularity today? Because Steve Young, you know, is one of the BYU yep. legends. Steve Young, it's, I mean, it's weird to say this. Steve Young is one of the most beloved, exalted, uh, admired athletes in the Bay Area. And Steve will tell you this, too. And he, given all that, as much as he's done on the field and off, he's always going to be number two to Joe Montana. I mean, Steve is as popular 
as almost any athlete in the past 35, 40 years in the Bay Area. But if there's one guy who, who would be more popular, it would be Joe. Um, Steve's legacy in the Bay Area is uh, it's cemented. It's, a, it's as good as it is at BYU. He won a Super Bowl with the 49ers. He had MVP seasons. Um, he's done a lot in the community. Um, he is, he's beloved in the Bay Area. He's, uh, but he's, he's number two in the hearts behind Joe Montana. And Jimmy GQ is the third coming. <laughs> he, he has not lost a game as a starter, and as far as I can tell, he won't ever lose a game. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad news for Jeremy and his Seahawks, Steve. Yeah, this is bad. Hey, thanks. Yeah, uh, I think, th- uh, I was going to say, I think two JGs, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff, are going to make things uh, rough on his Seahawks for the next uh, five to eight to ten years. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, great to talk to you, man. Uh, we'll see you down the road. Look forward to it. All right, Steve Croner on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Hey, great insight there, uh, other than that last comment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jared Goff. I'm like, no! Jimmy Garoppolo. I know, I'm NFC West scared. Yeah, you and Pete Carroll, man. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, man. It's interesting to learn about some of the difficulties that these college basketball teams in the Bay Area face, notably you, you can't convince anybody to come play in your small gym. You're going to find no sympathy from me on this. <laughs> Coming up, do you know the foe? Do we know the foe? That's a great question. Will Bill Russell be involved in Know the Foe? Also, Jeff Judkins, the former Boston Celtic in studio. How important is the RPI to college coaches? Jeremy, you really, want to know? Really important, I love RPI. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jeremy Jordan in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, nationally simulcast on BYU TV. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. We just spoke with Steve Croner of the San Francisco Chronicle. Why he says that Jeremy Jordan's Seahawks are in big, big trouble in the NFC West. I have no comment. <laughs> Not that that was the most important thing we discussed with him. Although he does most agree with me. Thing. He does agree with me. St. Mary's. Best team in the West Coast Conference right now. Okay. <laughs> do we have another power poll coming out? <laughs> we should. We should do that, right? Refreshing today's BYUSN headlines. BYU men's basketball on the road in San Francisco tonight to take on the Dons. The Cougars working for win number two in WCC play, trying to bounce back after last Saturday's overtime loss to the aforementioned Gales of St. Mary's. Ken Palm has Gonzaga at nine. St. Mary's at 24 right now. Really? Yeah. Wild, right? BYU women's basketball plays San Francisco tonight at home as well, live on BYU TV at 9 Eastern time. Jimmer Fredette scored 31 points for the Shanghai Sharks in a 119-92 victory over the Sichuan Blue Whales. The Sharks and the Blue Whales going at it on the basketball court. Jimmer's team 500 on the season at 12-12, and getting ready for the playoff push. And after back-to-back NCAA runner-up seasons, third-ranked men's volleyball opens the 2018 season tomorrow, hosting 13th-ranked Loyola Chicago in the Smith Fieldhouse, live on BYU TV at 9 Eastern. The Cougars return All-Americans Brendan Sander, Leo Durkin, and Price Jarman and a couple of new talented faces. I'm excited to see the uh, season open. Let's get it rolling. Joining us now in Studio B is our good friend Jeff Judkins. It's Jamming with Juddy, the former Boston Celtic, current head basketball coach for BYU Women's Hoops. Good to have you back, Juddy. Good to be back. What's up, Juddy? Uh, let's just get the elephant uh, in the room out. Um, I, I, I passed on the opportunity to sit courtside because I got like six Thrillblazer tickets. You could have coached a game with Jeff Judkins, Jerem, and you yeah. passed I, on it. I, 
Could have had your first win in your life <laughs> to be able to coach when we <laughs> Oh, oh, as a coach? I was yeah, like, I've yeah. won things, Jeff. Yeah, no, yeah. it's just a coach. Yeah, okay, as a coach. The tickets were too good. If they yeah. were like upper bowl or something, no, I wouldn't have. I know. It was I, like I, sixth row. I had they, they told me that, and since I've played in the league, I know how hard it is to get a good seat. And it, it is a difference. Don't don't kid yourself. As a fan sitting on the top six, t- ten rows. That's where I normally you know, sit. You know, yeah. But yeah, sitting and by you can feel you can feel the intensity, you can feel the pressure, you can you can feel the size and athleticism of those athletes. When you so. can hear the cursing, you have a good seat. <laughs> that's, that's what I always say. <laughs> yeah. What was that first experience like for you in the NBA at that level with that intensity? The first time you stepped on an NBA floor to defend another NBA player and team, what was that like? For well, you? It, you know, first of all, as a young kid, I that was my dream and. There's a lot of players in the league that were my idols. And so here, I my first preseason game ever, we play the Knicks because the Celtic Knicks are a big rivalry. And who do I have to go guard? Walt Frazier. And, <laughs> and I'm going, holy cow, you know, 72 champion. And, you know, he was older and he wasn't what he was, but he was still crafty and smart. And, and then the next night I'm playing 76ers and Doug Collins and, <laughs> I'm going like, holy cow, this is this that's the league and um you know it was it it really is people don't realize how good those guys are and they don't realize how athletic and how big they are. I mean that's what we were talking about the other day. We we're talking about the court is the same size for the NBA men's college basketball and women's college basketball and as you notice, um they make rules in the NBA where you can't help because the court but it's it's difficult for women to co- cover that court is more is harder for them than it is the men in the NBA because of the speed and you know when you see LeBron James and you realize the guy is six nine and built like a train I mean and then you see how fast he is it's it's amazing well but, you watch a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks take one step from the three point line and he's in the key shooting yeah. a layup yeah that's it's, crazy yeah. it's crazy and then those guys I mean. They're seven, I mean, Dirk, seven feet, you know. Durant, I wouldn't watch the Golden State game. Durant's seven feet. I mean, he's six inches taller than me. I mean, I'm trying to walk in this door, and I have to duck. It, yeah, he's worse. <laughs> and and people don't realize that, you know, until they get out there. Would you have thrived more in today's NBA? No or? question. Yeah? No question. Why is that? Because all it is is dribble penetration <clears throat> and kicking. And um, I could really shoot it. So I would get on a team and they just drive and kick and I'd just be in the corner shooting three after three after three. When I started, is right it was the first year when the NBA had the three-point line. So a lot of people didn't take advantage of that early in those in those that time. And But now, yeah, I'd just be out. Plus there's more teams. Plus I'd have more opportunity. I would have made a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and you might not be talking to us. I might, I might be somewhere else, you know. But, <laughs> but uh, it would have been, yeah, I think I would have had a good opportunity now. How has the three-point line changed the game, not just in the NBA, but at the college level and specifically in women's college basketball? It's made the court spread out. It's made the team that doesn't have inside presence compete. Um, I think in the women's game, the three-pointer is probably the biggest – key of winning and because if you can hit the shot and spread the spread it out you can drive and um women's game they're better shooters than the men i don't know why 
if I knew that answer, but like we were talking the other day about, you know, most bigs in the women game could all shoot. It's not that way in the, in the men's game. You got one guy that can't shoot. So you just sit in the paint, help. You can't do that in the women's game. They, everybody can shoot the three and the NBA is getting that way. More of the bigs are shooting. Like I watched last night, cousins is shooting three pointers. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going, come on, what's going on? But that's how the game, the women do the best job of spreading the court out better than anybody. And that's a real key to be, to be a good coach, to be able to do that. Cassie uh, Broadhead DeVagere is scoring under 20 a game right now. Should she shoot more, Jeff? You know, Cassie's, Cassie's had a lot of pressure on her. Every game, um, they've done things to try to stop her. And uh, I told her the other day, I said, you feel like LeBron James. You feel like that every game you go to, everybody wants to do this to you. You know, I think I think she could shoot a little bit more. <clears throat> I think what she needs to do is she needs to try to, when she has opportunities and people make a mistake, make them pay for it a little bit. And it's hard that, uh, hard that way because she wants to get everybody else involved, but she's playing real solid. I think she'd like to shoot a little bit better. She hasn't shot the three as well. She shot it last year, and part of it is people don't give her open threes like they did last year. They're flying at her, but... She's a great player, and I'm really fortunate to be able to coach her. What's the toughest challenge your team faces right now as you get into West Coast Conference play? You know, uh, we've when we're when when our inside presence is good, and what I mean by that is scoring or defensively being active, we seem to play very well. Like against Utah, Sarah played really well in that game, and so did Roy Chalet. And then we go to Portland; it was the same deal. We have to have better inside presence. Um, for our team to win. And, and um, you know, Amanda played really well against Portland, and she got a double-double. And if we get somebody, that, uh, one of our bigs, to do that every night, then we're a lot better. And um, I think Sarah's starting to play better. I think she's starting to kind of with, get in the field a little bit. I think that'll really help us. What does San Francisco do that has your attention? They have a guard that's very, very crafty and great scorer. Um, she plays a lot like Cassie, and we got to do a great job of defending her. And then um, they run a lot of uh, kind of stuff like Air Force cutting and moving. And if you're not sharp and you're, 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 you relax, and they're going to get an easy basket. And then um, they've, they've got a big that's kind of scary. She can shoot it, and she's not shooting a good percentage right now. But last year she really hurt us in San Francisco mm-hmm. – we got to do a good job on her, and um, we got to play our game. You know, we got to come out and push the ball, and and go inside out, and get Cassie shots, and hopefully Malia gets get some baskets, and and get Brenna hitting some threes, and then we can we can you know we can be a lot better off. Obviously, winning games and winning league titles is the cure all, but you still have to pay attention to the RPI and resumes and getting big wins as you try and position yourself to get to the NCAA tournament. How much do you pay attention to things like that, to projected brackets and RPI as you go throughout the season as a college coach? Well, I think of the first of the year with the schedule that we uh, did this year, that was part of it. I mean, we wanted to have a good RPI, and so we took a risk and we played a lot of hard teams, and we didn't win them. If we win those games, we're probably eighth, ninth RPI like we were a couple of years ago. Um the hard part with it is now we're probably far enough out of it that we're going to have to win the league and win the tournament it probably to go. And 
Um, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how every small conference teams look at it. That you've got to you've got to win your conference. You've got to win the tournament to be able to do it. Um, we're going to have to do that for sure. And maybe by playing a hard schedule, it'll help us. It'll help us in this conference. It'll help us in the play. In the, you know, in, in in the tournament. All right, Jetty. Let's give you a measure of the BYU Sports Nation karma for tonight's yeah, game against San it, Francisco. Yeah. Big home weekend. Big couple weekend. of games as you guys try and get back on track and get over the 500 mark again. So it, best of luck to you. really nice. Hope we can do that. By the way, Kalani and Jen are overseas playing in Australia. Yes. Yeah. And Dan told me yesterday, my assistant, that they are in the semifinals of the championship there. They're not playing each other, but they're in the semifinals. They could meet. So they could meet in the championship? They could meet in the championship. Nice. So, but that's a great thing for our program to have them over doing so well and and really and, and doing it. So hope, Let's go. So let the sport nation know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jen played last night. We will update uh, you how you, she did in the whip. So we'll see you tonight. Okay, tonight. thanks, you guys. Thanks. thanks. You're still the best shooter on campus. I still am. Shooter McJudkins. He's got it. <laughs> still got it. Speaking of shooter, coming up, did Jimmer Fredette climb the Great Wall for 30-plus again? <laughs> I just watched The Great Wall with Matt Damon. Not actually, good? Did you like it? I actually, it's not a good movie, but I liked it. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. I don't, not it doesn't a good have movie. to be good for me to like it. Oh, okay. All right. I was okay. entertained. And BYU takes on San Francisco tonight, but do you really know what the Dons are about? Let's play Know the Phone next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. The official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jaron Jordan live from Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Watch our daily rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV starting promptly at 6 p.m. Eastern. Hey, tomorrow night, 9 Eastern time, BYU versus Loyola Chicago, the men's volleyball season opener. BYU's ranked third in the country. Back-to-back seasons in the national championship game will be live on BYU TV at 9 Eastern in the Smithfield House. Jerem Jordan will wear his Stormtrooper costume once again. What? Because you look like a Stormtrooper right oh, now. Oh, with this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, tomorrow I'm not wearing this. I'm going to wear a suit tomorrow. Every time I see you that, I'm like, oh, Stormtrooper. I barely wear a suit to church, man. Stor- Do you wear a suit to church? Occasionally, if it's cold. I'm judging you super hard right yeah. now. Yeah. I like being I like being the uh, the non-white shirt. Guy. I'm in the Elder Scorn presidency. You I'm wear a blue shirt and I'm, no suit jacket. I'm the, <sighs> yeah, I'm not color me shocked. The the uh, the EQP hasn't called me out on it. Yet. I'm going to see how long I can play that. <laughs> that's uh, that's what it's about, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it's. Toe the what line. What it's all about toe the line. I don't toe the line. No. I went to BYU. I don't toe the line. This is BYU TV. We don't toe the line. What is more important to the outcome of BYU season? St. Zaga games or non-St. Zaga games? Tell us why. More of your tweets on the way. Let's play Know the Foe with game day against San Francisco on the docket. BYU Sports Nation asks, do you know the foe? No, not really. Speaking of Stormtroopers and Star Wars, I I feel like this could be like one of the songs as they're like walking into the 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 cantina with Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. Sketchy place. <laughs> You're laughing because you know You'll it's true. You'll be dead. You know it's true. Ben Bagley, help us get better right now, please. I don't know if I can help you get better. I don't know if I can help you at all, but I can ask you a few questions about the USF. Okay. All right, let's That's do it. Really I have help. three wins, by the way. Jeremy has two overall. Which means, Spencer, you can choose. Do you, do you want to receive or defer here? Hold on. Jeff Judkins told me I have no wins. 
<laughs> he did say that. He might be correct there. He did say that. Uh, all right, Ben, I'm going to go first. Today. Okay, Spencer Linton will receive. Jerem Jordan, you will uh, get the kick in the second half. First question, Spencer. Which NFL commissioner is a USF alum? Was it or is it Paul Tagliabue, Pete Rozelle, Roger Goodell, or Burt Bell? I'm going to say Pete Rozelle. That is correct. Yeah, nice baby. Nice job. Yes. All right, Jerem, here's your first question. When USF was founded in 1855, the original name was A, Hilltop Academy, B, St. Ignatius Academy, C, Ansia Domini College, (laughs) or D, the Institute of St. Augustine? B. Correct. Well you done. knew that. You studied. I, well, you, I, I, went, I went to campus okay. uh, in October. Spencer. Okay. The USF current motto is, we can see all from the hilltop or change the world from here or for the city and the world or Bill Russell went here. <laughs> say D. Say D. Oh, I'm not going to say that. Bill Russell went here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with. Change the world from here. Yes, correct. Wow, you guys, no stumps today. Wow. All right, Jerem, NBA question for you. Uh Uh-oh. Which of the following former NBA coaches was not a USF alum? Bill Cartwright, Bill Russell, Bernie Bickerstaff, or Casey Jones? Bernie Bickerstaff. Correct. Process of elimination. Those are the three great dons. Cartwright, Jones, and Russell. Those guys are awesome. Bickerstaff, funny enough, a WCC alum, University of San Diego. There you go. Okay. 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 All right. Nice. All right. Last two questions. We, we're, we're going for are we going a hundred. You go guys are going here. for UCF. Hang the national banners. <laughs> Spencer, the name of the USF student newspaper is the Bay Bugle, the Foghorn, the Golden Gate, the or High on the Hilltop. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with A on this one. Ooh. Oh! Sorry, Spencer. It's actually the Foghorn. It's the Foghorn. It's the, it's fog the Foghorn. The Foghorn. Wow. Be a little more ambitious like the universe. Jer- Jerem, for the win. Nice high on the hilltop, man. Yeah, you like that? That's good. For the win here, Jerem. The 1951 USF Dons football team, yes, they had football, yeah. Yeah, 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 went 9-0 yeah. and yes. produced Nine NFL players from that team. Yes. How many of those nine ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? <laughs> Was it two, three, four, or five? If you guess this in a right, I'm going to be so mad. Two. Oh, sorry. It was three, which, by the way, is an NFL record for single uh, college football teams putting guys in the Hall of Fame. Like, I thought I could get that one because I literally read something in War Memorial on the wall. About that? About this. Three players. Uh, Gino Marchetti, Ole Matson, and Bob St. Clair. Who who doesn't remember those the are great San, Bob St. Clair? Those are San Francisco names. <laughs> so so this is either soccer or church because we got a tie. We yes, have a tie. That's right. Wow. That's right. We tie. Yeah. So do you I guys, get do we get half credit for this then? Three and a half wins. No. Oh. No. So I just no one won. Nobody won. No one won. No one won. No, Sorry. We, we each get. We should do soccer standings. So we each get a point. Get a point. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whose line is it anyways? Where the points don't matter. That's another question. I hate Thanks, tying. Ben. Those are great questions. Those were great questions. Those were great questions. Although I hate, Unlike the questions I hate a tie. Program, those were great. I hate a tie. You like a bow tie better? <sighs> Don't do that. Don't hate on tie number like that. Come on. <laughs> Coming up, men's volleyball is ranked third and ready to rock in the Smithfield house. And Jeff Judkins just told us Jen Hampson's doing work overseas. And is BYU an overperformer in college hoops? What does that mean? BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to today's guest, Steve Croner and Jeff Judkins. Download the podcast if you missed any of the show. And coming up tomorrow, men's volleyball coach Sean Olmstead and basketball analyst Steve Cleveland. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Those Cougadores are on the road to face San Francisco tonight, where Bill Russell went. Live on AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain, NBC Sports California, and the W.TV at 11 p.m. Eastern with pregame coverage on BYU Radio at 10 Eastern time. BYU is the second biggest overperformer in college hoops based on recruiting rankings, meets on court performance, according to SB Nation blog, Blogger So Dear. Interesting. And BYU's ninth in the mid-major madness power rankings. That's up one spot from last week. St. Mary's is one, Gonzaga's two. Women's basketball. Live on BYU TV tonight, 9 Eastern, BYU against San Francisco. Jimmer. Played in China at 31 points. They won. That's all that matters. Cougars overseas. Jen Hampson scored eight points, had ten rebounds and two blocks, and a Sydney Flames loss. They're in the semifinals. Kalani Purcell versus Jen Hampson could happen in the championship. Noise. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter. Dexter, help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Who gets it? Steve Croner. He was a great guest. He was. San Francisco Chronicle. He brought some, some levity, some needed levity. Mm-hmm. All right. Download the podcast if you missed any of today's show. Hashtag BYUSN to join with us wherever and however you would like. We're back to work tomorrow at noon Eastern. Basketball night. It's a ball night, Jerem. Ball night. Shout out to Jeff Judkins.